Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club, a show where we discuss the news with people from around the world. This is episode number 56 for May 2015. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, I will explain in 20 seconds what it is. We get people from different countries, different cultures, different regions of the world to tell us how they saw the news from the past month. And we get hopefully a different color for uh, our opinions and sort of a different side, another side of all the stories that we think we've already figured out. That was more than 20 seconds, I think. Uh, but it's okay because today is going to be an awesome show and it's worth spending the time that's needed to make it cool. Um, I have, of course, with me as I do most uh, episodes, my partner in crime, Turkey from Saudi Arabia. How's it going? Hey, Turkey? Patrick. I don't like you at the moment, so <laughs> we're well, not friends. I, I, I think I think you don't like Lee, you don't like me most moments, but I'm very curious and eager to know why at this specific moment you don't like me. You're traveling. I had to cancel my trip, so I don't. I'm not a big fan <laughs> uh -huh. of you. Yeah, you were you were supposed to travel, and you weren't uh, going to be in uh, in Riyadh uh, today. What happened? Uh, something came up. I had to cancel. So I oh. have two weeks vacation and I'm stuck in Riyadh. Well, it's a staycation. You can play <laughs> video games. It's fun well, too, well, right? Well, I'm, I'm playing The Witcher, so yeah. There you go. Very there fun. you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it, there was a chance you couldn't make it if you uh, had had to travel and now you are here. So I am happy about the fact that your vacation got ruined. So yeah, you're, you know, you're just some that. selfish French guy. No problem. <laughs> You're used to it by now, so it's okay. Um, we also have on the show Mahmoud, who's back from uh, a few months ago. And uh, Mahmoud is joining us from Dubai. How is it going, sir? It's going good. Yeah? It's fine. Can't complain at the moment, yeah. Okay, excellent, excellent. I'm very glad to have you back. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say something that is going to sound silly, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this show is also about a little bit of honesty. I usually try to avoid getting people. I, it was sort of my policy to think, well, if we get someone from the Middle East or from an Arab country, it's okay. We Maybe we don't need two people on the same show. But it's like, I get people from different countries in Europe all the time. There's no reason, you know, the, the, the Arab countries are, are as diverse as countries in Europe or anywhere else. So yeah. I figured, you know what, it, it will be interesting, I think, to have Mahmoud and Turkey at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I don't think uh, we're all the same, like most people think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. the point. Yeah, and and hopefully, so now you have to basically disagree with each other vehemently on everything, <laughs> or I'll be disappointed. Well, um, I'll try my best. Did you say Yanni? 
Oh, uh, did I say I that? Think so. yeah, yeah, it sometimes think slips so. in. It sometimes <laughs> slips in. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's so cool because you know I get to I get to understand a little bit of Arabic that um, you know the little bit I remember. Um, and finally, I was saying we have people from different countries in Europe. Um, we we have a guest from the better country in Europe, from Sweden. Uh, Brecky is here with us today. How's it going, Brecky? It's uh, going great. It's been a lovely day here. So I've been outside most of the day and just came indoors for this and then heading back outside again. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's nice that we can get you away from the, uh, you know, the very harmful sun and indoors for just a little bit. Um, I say nice, uh, but you know, this is Sweden we're talking about. So uh, it's still mostly cloudy. <laughs> well, okay. Well, fair enough. Um, you've never been on the show, I think. No, no, I have not. Ah, that well, we'll we'll hear a little bit more about what you do on a regular basis because you are a a very prolific podcaster, and we'll uh, get to to hear what you do aside from uh, this show uh, at the end of this uh, at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, I was seeing the better the better country um, of Sweden. It's definitely for those who don't know um, the idea that Nordic countries and uh, Scandinavia has the best track record in basically everything, be it education, uh, wealth, comfort, everything, uh, health. And uh, I'm experiencing this uh, as I'm now, as people know, I'm married to a Finn and I travel to, to the Nordic countries here and there. And uh, yeah, I get to experience the fact that it's kind of, it's weird when you go there and you realize how everything works perfectly. And then you come back here and you're like, why are we not copying what they're doing again? What is what is this madness? So yeah. anyway, do, do you agree? Is this something that you feel from, from Scandinavia or is it like the silly Southerners that think everything's good, but in fact, it isn't? Uh, I agree mostly. I mean, the, the Scandinavian countries have a fairly high um, standard in most things, but every single one has these weird outliers. Um, like Sweden, for example, our education system is um, really bad at the moment and has is been, it? you know, dropping for the past 10 years. Mm. Then, then we have other countries like uh, in Denmark, where they have um, a really bad financial situation right now, which nobody ever really speaks about. Um, <laughs> then there's Finland with the, uh, you know, absurdly high suicide ratio. Uh, and then there's Norway, which has a lot of Norwegian people. <laughs> 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 you you are from Norway initially, aren't you? No, I'm from uh, Iceland. Iceland. Originally. Oh, right. Of course. You were berating me uh, when I was saying I'm now learning Swedish and starting to speak Swedish. You were telling me that I should learn Icelandic uh, next. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, there's 400,000 people on earth that speak Icelandic. Right. And imagine all these people who you're missing out on talking to. <laughs> it's kind of like if you can increase the number of people that, that speak Icelandic by one, it, it's an enormous effect on your right. uh, or country of origin's uh, language. So, And Icelandic yeah. is also one of those Scandinavian countries. Is it considered Scandinavia? Not really. It's off to the uh, side. No, right? it's, it's considered Nordic. Um, right, Scandinavia right. is it's only like you know, Sweden, Norway, and uh, Denmark. And Denmark. Yeah. Finland so, and the Faroe Islands and Iceland are the Nordic countries Nordic, in yeah. addition to Scandinavia. So, um, yeah, it's, it's this weird little country on the side where I, I think I mentioned at least, I mentioned this at least once every episode, the fact that you have an app 
in Iceland to um, to check if you're a cousin with someone when you're in Reykjavik and you you have a few drinks and you want to hook up. You have an app to check if you're cousins. And um, and so because everyone is so closely related, you're never sure if someone is your cousin, even when you meet randomly. I hope that yeah. I, I hope this is not a, an urban legend. No, I've no, it, it's it absolutely from, true. Yeah. And um, this has been going on, you know, even before it was an app. Um, people interested mm. in genealogy would just sit down and say, oh, um, so who are you and where are you from? Oh, okay, you're from <laughs> that place. Let me see. I um, my second cousin is from there. Do you know a guy called this? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's neighbor to this guy. Okay, are they related? Yeah, well, uh, they they share the same grandfather. So okay, so we're related that way. I mean, <laughs> I even sat funny. down and figured out how I'm related to Bjork, the singer. Oh wow! So yeah. how far are you from Bjork? Uh, we we have um we have an ancestor in common in the late 1700s. Oh, so that's kind of far. It's, yeah, it's seven kind of disappointed. Away. I have to yeah. say, yeah, yeah, seven generations away. All right, um, let's get into the show proper. I was kind of saying I was going to try and keep it on the on the shorter uh, side, but uh, that's not. <laughs> it's well, not starting very well. Patrick, well. it's just clear right now that your wife trained you well. <laughs> to train me well in what? And oh. being. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Thank you. Ta count on Turkey to make it lewd. Um, I was just I trying to figure out what to say to make it lewd, but he beat it to me. <laughs> All right. Um, let's start, as always, with me. Woohoo. Um, you were you talking know, it's about... not all about you, Patrick. Come on. Isn't it? You, no. you want to you start, Turkey? No, no. I'm, I have depressing, so you can start. Oh. Okay, well, I don't think I don't think it's quite uh, on the happy side either. But it's at least my first story is kind of a little bit funny, um, in the sense that it's uh, ridiculous and depressing. So it's funny, right? In that kind of humor. Um, you were talking about education, Brecky, earlier, and uh, it's been a, a heavily debated topic of discussion in France for a while. And now the there is an education reform that is being discussed. The government wants to um, implement it. And it targets specifically uh, what we call college, or in French, college, uh, which, he, which is essentially junior high school. Um, it's from the ages of 12 to 16, I believe, 12 to, to 15, more or less. Um, and there is a, a, an education reform, which honestly, I, I, I'm not going to go into the details of because it's not even quite uh, very clear what they want to do and what they don't want to do. There are debates on, on uh, between the left and the right and even internally on the left on whether or not it's good or not good. Um, there are two points which I think will be interesting to, to discuss because they are the, the salient ones. Um, And, and quite uh, uh, by accident, they fit the theme of this show. But one is the idea that they're going to get rid of bilingual um, uh, classes and bilingual uh, courses, meaning that you would not have to, have to learn um, a, a third language. Um, and because today you have to learn two additional languages And you have the choice usually between English, Spanish, and uh, German. Most of the people take uh, English as a second language and then uh, take, uh, you know, Spanish or German as a third language. And then 
you have some people that take Italian or even uh, the, the, I don't know if you call them the dead languages in English, but um, the, you know, Latin and not Greek, but at least Latin. So it's not that they want to uh, make them irrelevant, but there are less people, uh, th there would be more choice, basically, after the reform. And um, the irony in this is that even when you do learn English, you only get two hours of English a week for your second language. And it does start earlier in your um, education now, but it's still like in junior high or high school, you essentially get two hours of English. And honestly, how much English can you learn? Already learning at school is not very efficient, I think, but it's if, if it's only two hours a week, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and the other one is there was one controversy about the idea some people were saying they are going to replace teaching uh, about Christianity and Judaism with teaching about uh, Islam, which is actually not the case. They want to include Islam in the teaching in, you know, in a historical context, because France is still very much uh, uh, attached to the idea uh, of um, uh, uh, ah, the secular uh, teaching they, with, uh, without religion. How do you call this? Secular, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a sort of, a, a, yeah, secular, atheistic view on, on, on college, at least. You don't teach religion as such. It's more about history of, and, and context. Um, and I, I personally think it's very important that we learn about Islam because a lot of the, well, it won't come as a surprise for most of the listeners, but I think the um, uh, being unfamiliar with something leads to uh, a lot more animosity and, uh, you know, uh, defiance towards something. So, of course, Islam being such an important uh, thing in the world right now, I think it's important that we know that we have, you know, someone, an authority figure telling us uh, how it came to be and what is factual about Islam rather than having than hearing it from someone else who might be quite a, you know less reliable um, but that was also a, a, a topic of contention because people were saying well we don't you know not everyone but it's like well we don't want to replace our cultural heritage with Islam what is this and like immigrants and horror and fear and that was it's not like it was a lot of people but it did come up and it's uh It, it is um, uh, reflective of some portions of the population's, uh, <sighs> the way they regard this whole issue. And as a last note, I want to say that in our uh, educational system, we usually have over 10 different things that we learn you know there are 10 different um topics that we have to learn about you know it's uh, french language math physics biology uh physics and chemistry are together two additional languages philosophy when you get into uh later stages uh sports and a bunch of others two or three others and it seems very difficult to learn everything well and In, in other countries, it seems it's a little bit more focused, so you learn less things, but and you get to choose. In, in the UK, for example, I believe you get to choose the things you're going to learn about, but you do less. You do maybe four or five. Um, 
And so, yeah, that, that is the main topic of discussion in, in France today. I was wondering, maybe, Brecky, you were talking about education. Do you see any similarities with, with the way uh, education is regarded in Sweden? Or is it, it, does that what we do seem dumb? Or I don't know. It doesn't seem dumb at all, no. Um, one, of my, um, one of my sticking points when it comes to education is, um, in, especially here in uh, the more socialist European countries, so to speak, um, there, there's often this idea that um, government or teacher plans and so on are set up so that everybody should learn the exact same thing at the same tempo. Um, so the government has already decided that, you know, everybody should know these seven subjects. And when they're in first year, they should learn this group of things. When they're in second year, they should learn this group of things. There's rarely any space given to individuality. Uh, maybe somebody's really good at speaking English, but they're really poor at math. So even though they're in fourth grade, maybe they're doing English at a seventh grade level, but math at a second grade level. And there's never really any space given for that kind of individuality. And it doesn't seem like this French suggestion is opening up for that kind of thing either. It, it's just basically saying, you know, these things about language, for example, and uh, just slightly shifting the, uh, the focus when it comes to religious studies by just adding another group of religions to add in, uh, in the group. It's definitely something that is very prevalent in France, in education, but also in, in most things. It's this top-down idea that the state is going to provide stuff for, you know, it's the republic that is going to provide for its uh, pupils, kind of, its people. And everyone, you know, it's kind of one size fits all, but it's everyone is going to get everything they need. And Of course, it doesn't really work when people have individual needs, but it's also uh, obviously a lot more difficult and costly to create systems where you can adapt to people's needs. And especially for students, of course, it's a very important thing, but it's very difficult to do. So yeah. uh, I guess it's the same. How about you guys in, in, you know, in the Arabian world over there in the East, which is very uniform and obviously everything is the same for all of you guys. Um, Mark, are you talking about, a, about where they actually teach you religion in school as mandatory? Uh, I guess, I guess. So, yeah. I really don't know what you expect us to say. <laughs> well, it's, so let's start with you, Turkey, then. What it, how is uh, education, you know, looked at and regarded? Is it uh, uh, monolithic? Do you just have everyone has the same education? Is it, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I have yeah, yeah, no yeah. idea, a, you know, a, how, how a kid who goes yeah. to school in Saudi Arabia, what he, they learn, what they, you know. Yeah, well, basically, uh, at least in all the public schools, it's uh, the same education system, exactly the same. After all, the books are uh, printed and distributed by the government. So, And that's also private schools for Saudis. They are required. They use the same books. The only exception in private schools, they might have an extra one or two classes that cover subjects that are not covered by the government books. So, And uh, religion is a major uh, part of that. So I, I can't remember exactly. I think there's five or six uh, subjects or topics that you study every year, which are basically religious. Hmm. So, and so, so, so it's unified here. So, for example, could you could you give me one example of a religious topic that you study? Well, you have. Uh, I give you, for example, we have the Quran. So they study okay. the, Holy, the Holy Quran. They study uh, uh, what we call fiqh, which is basically the study of uh, uh, religion in life. 
and how how to live and uh, perform different religious acts. Uh, we have uh, tafsir, which is the uh, translation or explanation of the holy Cor- uh, book, the Quran, and so on. So you have all of these different religious books, and uh, it's part of uh, studying here. It's it's a mandatory. Right. So, so obviously, uh, Islam is the official religion of Saudi Arabia, and it's mm-hmm. it's mandatory. Um, so it's, I'm guessing it's, it's taught. It's so the only religion in Saudi Arabia, right? Right. The only recognized religion. Of course. Um, so I'm guessing it's being taught as not. Not as this is what the book says, but this is what you should do, right? This is how you should approach it. Uh, it depends. Uh, you yeah. have the Quran, which is basically they just teach them uh, reading it and uh, memorizing it. Then you have the translation, uh-huh. which is an explanation of the meanings of the Quran. There's uh, the book from the government, but some teachers would have their different explanations from time to time, depending on the class and uh, and so on. But uh, in within the school, it's unified. Outside the schools, then you have different. Uh, ways of uh, explaining and uh, translating the meanings. Mm. So, just out of curiosity, by the way, I, I assume that um, the um, the teachings and so on that they're all focused on the uh, the Wahhabi perspective. I mean, there's never any, you know, this is what we believe, but then this is what the Shia believe, and this is what other Sunni groups believe. Um, uh, Shia definitely not. We never no. teach them about Shia <laughs> because uh, we don't. Uh, uh, Sunnis at least don't recognize the Shias. Of course. As, uh, do, do you mention them religion? even? Is it like well, those guys they follow this this dude uh, and uh, as far as if my memory serves me right, I don't remember ever them being mentioned okay. because it's a sensitive topic. There's about sure. five ten percent of the population are Shiites, mostly in the eastern province. So it's not something we would uh, promote in school to explain uh, their belief system since we don't recognize it officially. But we rather not try to encourage people to dislike them too much, at least not within the school system. Mm. And uh, so it's not like they're wrong. They should, you know, change. no, no, no not okay. in official books. No, okay, not not in official uh, religious books within the uh, mm. t- uh, school system. What about what about other religions? Are they mentioned at all, or is uh, it the same kind? Yeah, of, uh, they, they are. Men- uh, only two religions are mentioned, which are Christianity and Judaism. And uh, they are mentioned, not in too much detail, just basic information, because Islam is based on, Islam does believe that uh, Judaism and Christianity were our religions that were part of Islam, they were brought by God mm. uh, through their prophets. However, they are no more recognized. Islam came in to replace those religions. So right. they teach about Islam, uh, Christianity and Judaism as that, from that point of view. Of course. Uh, what about other topics like science and literature and no, maybe I mean, yeah. maybe science specifically? Do, do you? I'm sure you learn basic math and, and physics and yeah, yeah, yeah. We have uh, there's math, uh, geology. Uh, mm. So so yeah, type of science. Yeah, and how far is? Uh, uh, High school uh, mandatory, and how far do Saudis usually uh, go? How old do they uh, are they when they stop going to school? Is it you know school high school, uh, university, stuff. or it is not mandatory at all? At all, it's not oh, mandatory okay. in Saudi. However, uh, the the Saudi the society here they usually force their children to go to school. So uh, I would think 
at least eight, 90 percent or more uh, do end up going at least through the first six grades for sure. So, but usually so, most most Saudis do finish the twelve grades. Twelve grades meaning until they're eighteen, right? Until they're eighteen before before mm. college. So that's okay. the last. Most the majority, at least, I believe. So, if I, if I would put mm. an estimate, definitely sixty to seventy percent do that. Mm. A lot more finish at least until sixth grade. Okay. All right, uh, Mahmoud. As per our agreement uh, at the beginning of the show, you're going to disagree with everything, and it's going to be completely different. Right? Um, well, although, I, so I guess I, we should yeah. say, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, actually, it is a bit different. It's it's uh, oh, it's not cool in Jordan. Cool. It's not the same as in Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, I said you're you're from Dubai, but you're currently living in Dubai. But yeah, you, I live in Dubai. Originally from, Dubai, from Jordan. Yeah, I'm Jordanian. My nationality is Jordanian. But in Jordan, school is is definitely mandatory for for everybody uh, till high school, twelve years. Um, it's not optional to not send to your, send or not send your kids to school. So you have to. And um, when it comes to the religious studies, uh, we had, as far as I can remember, only one subject and one class about uh, about religion, uh, which is Islam, of course. But it it wasn't only historical, but it had some theological aspects, like uh, Turkey said in uh, what happens in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the the rest of the curriculum and the classes are pretty much the same, like math, uh, geology, biology, all of that stuff. Okay. So and and it's mandatory. So everyone. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely mandatory. You cannot not send your kids to school. You have of to. Of course. Mm. So it's less. Uh, I just wanted to mention the, the, when you uh, ask about whether they teach other, about other sects about Sunnis, and uh, they we do cover uh, Sunni. You said Wahhabism. Well, it depends on who you talk to. Most of people here don't recognize that word Wahhabi. No, no. Exactly. I I didn't. Yeah. I didn't actually. I didn't know the word Wahhabi until a few years ago. Yeah. I've never heard uh, it before. Yeah. Yeah. Wahhabism is more of a word that was invented by the Western media. Sure. Yes. Uh, exactly. Uh, Islam, the Sunni Islam, is basically divided into four major sects or four books and four fuqs. Uh, which is four teachings, different teachings. We have the Hanbali, the Hanafi, the Maliki, and the Shafi'i. Saudi mostly follows the the concept of Hanbali concept. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are some people who follow Hanafi and uh, Maliki. And in the books here, mostly what we teach is Hanbali. And that's what most some people would call Wahhabism in some uh, parts of the world. And that's what we majorly teach. But we also do cover the other teachings of these four books because we recognize all four teachings as part of the Sunni Islam uh, movement. Mm. And so the the word uh, Wahhabi Islam is not something that is commonly used at all. Uh, no, it's almost never it's, used. It's, it's okay. used by uh, extremists from uh, left-wing extremists mostly and Western media. So if you in Saudi... Yeah. The only Saudis here would use it are usually left-wing liberals who would adopt the uh, Western media concept of Wahhabism. But uh-huh. mostly here... Can, can, you, can you define left-wing extremists in the context of Saudi Arabia? Because uh, uh, here it's communists. So uh, Here are extreme liberal liberalists. Okay. So secular, basically. Yeah, secular, secular and liberal and so on. So... Those are some. There are some of them who are uh, extreme, and those are the ones who would use the word Wahhabism mostly. All right. Uh, which were the uh, four directions you say? Because I've, I've always uh, heard them as uh, five different. 
No, in, in Sunni Islam, there's uh, four basic uh, teachings. Uh, you have the Hanbali teaching, which is ma- major, uh, basically what Saudi follows. Mm-hmm. You have the Hanafi teaching, and you have the Maliki and the Shafi'i. So those are the four major teachings of Sunni Islam. Okay, isn't there, there are, a Zahiri? Are other, no, those, there, there are a, lot, a few other smaller ones, and those are more modern teachings. Okay. But the four major teachings that you would find in almost all the Islamic world are these four. Okay. You know, I think one day we will have to do a show on this alone, on, <laughs> on just trying to discuss. It's such, it's such foreign to, to uh, at least to me, um, I think it would be very interesting to dive a little bit into this. Yeah, well, uh, yeah I studied... You have, uh, you have. Sorry, uh, yeah, I studied uh, Islam at the university for one year because um, it was just so foreign to me. So I, I decided that, you know, this is something that I need to learn more about. Yeah, yeah the, the, the problem is, especially with the Western media, Islam is uh, Islam, Wahhabism, and terrorist. That's yeah. basically, oh, of course. Don't, they don't go, and Shias, Sunnis and Shias, yeah. they don't yeah. do anything beyond those uh, mm. concepts. So that's so, what people know. All right, so let me turn the table on you, uh, on you, on both of you, basically, Mahmoud and Turkey. Do you guys uh, differentiate the the you know Christianity with all its different currents and 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 uh, I don't even know how to call them sects and uh, and religions? You know, do you do you know about the difference between you know Protestants? Uh, is it Protestants that you say? Uh, Protestants. Uh, Protestants, yes. Protestants, Protestants, yeah. yeah. Protestants and like, do, do the average people know about all of this or? Uh, well, in Saudi, uh, um, most people only know Christianity. Right. As a whole, it's just for whole. us, you know, a, like and Islam. A, yeah. And a few would know the difference between a Catholic and an Orthodox Christian okay. uh, belief. But other than that, most people wouldn't know except for the highly educated people who've been mm. abroad and so on. Okay, so it's not that, you know, it's not that surprising that we wouldn't know about the different the differences between the different... Uh, well, actually, well, in Jordan, people actually do know the difference because we okay. have somewhat of a large uh, Christian community and mm. they all fall into different uh, sects, if you will. Yeah. So we mm. can't differentiate to an extent. And, okay. and school, actually, I, 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 if I remember correctly, we... we learn the history about of Christianity and the split between the Catholic Church and Protestant uh, Protestants Church and the Lutherans and people like that yeah. yeah you know it seems it seems so silly that we wouldn't you know learn the about a minimum about the three big uh, monotheistic religions and a, a few others. I'm not saying we should learn in detail about everything that there is to know because you could, you know, lose yourself for years in all of this. And oh. people do, you know, theology is very, a very complex uh, topic. But yeah, uh, I spent four years at the university <laughs> studying nothing but religion. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I didn't realize you're a theologian. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty ah. much. Interesting. All right. Well, in that case, I will defer to you uh, whenever I have any question about anything that has to do with religion. You do that. <laughs> Um, All right. Another topic I wanted to to discuss very briefly, much more briefly than this one, is the pressing question of ISIS and um, in Syria and Iraq and the fact that they seem to be gaining uh, uh, terrain and territories 
and we can't, we as the West, we can't seem to be stopping them. That is sort of established already. But the big question that that poses is, especially in Syria, um, what do we do, what do we as Western Westerners do once they get to Damascus, which seems more and more likely now? Because obviously we're not very big fans of Assad and we're not at all very big fans of ISIS and the Islamic State, even though, you know, even though uh, even more, or I don't know, even though now they have the moderates that are against Assad that have allied with the extremists, uh, the religious extremists of ISIS. And we're hearing, you know, stories about how they steal the works of art and then funnel them outside the countries and get them bought by other, uh, you know, by, by Westerners. And this is one of the ways they fund their, um, their, their, F, their war efforts. And it's not the only thing, of course, they have more traditional means as well. But anyway, the big question is, what do we do once they get to Damascus? Do we support Assad? Who, which, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but, or do we, do, what, what do we do? Um, well, the question is, what, nothing, what moderates? Yeah. What moderates are uh, joining ISIS? Well, what that's moderates? what we're that's that's what we're hearing. We're hearing that the no, ones that no, are no, 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 moderates well, would. I'm never, telling you what would, we're hearing. I'm, I'm telling know. you, moderates would never join ISIS. They would rather join Assad than ISIS because ISIS is more it's worse to them than than Assad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that that would never happen. Moderates would right. never join ISIS. ISIS is just. Uh, Uh, people who are walking around and uh, discriminate people just by what you believe in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as simple as that. So, yeah. And uh, I really, and, and them reaching uh, Damascus, I really doubt it. They wouldn't be able to get to Damascus. They are powerful. They are doing a lot of stuff and they're taking over a lot of parts of the country. But Damascus is not an easy target. And I really don't think it's going to get to that point. Well, I don't think anyone's thinking they're going to, you know, take Damascus, but what people are thinking is they're going to get it's going to get to a point where Damascus is going to have to fight. They're going to be not at the doors but but close and it's going to be defending Damascus. And you're saying no, no, come on. there's no way it's it's yeah. not going to be a battle. It's not even going to be a battle. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick, let's let's be honest. The only reason ISIS <laughs> exists and it's moving and it's taking control is thanks to the West and all the Arab countries. We are the ones who created this environment mm-hmm. for them. We are the ones who are allowed them to exist. We are the ones who are allowing them to expand. Yeah, I don't think there's there's yeah. any question about this. Allowing them to expand, as always, as, you know, for every single uh, uh, issue we've had like this, those groups were created initially with the help of uh, the West. I don't think there's a single one that, a single uh, a time that this happened without uh, our involvement. Uh, but the question remains, you know, for us, and, and you're saying, Turkey, it's it's... Overblown? Is that what you're saying? It's not going to come to that? Uh, uh, if it ever comes to that, then I think people will take things seriously then. The entire okay. world would take it seriously at that moment. And uh, that's mm. when I expect actual ground troops would move in. Okay. Mm. Mahmoud, um, what is the, the, your and yours uh, view on all of this? Well, <clears throat> they've already taken over, uh, over half of Syria. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of ridiculous to ask what you, what the, what we're going to do if they take off Damascus. They already have half of Syria and a large portion of Iraq and 
recently, like two days ago, they took over, uh, took over a new city in, in Iraq called Ramadi, which is on the Iraqi-Jordanian border. So that question is a bit late to ask. Now, if, you, if, if, we, if we want to stop them, we should have stopped them a long time ago. But so how do we do it, though? Do you, because then the, that's Boots why on the ground. Think... Boots, boots on the ground. That's the only absolutely, solution. Yeah. You, need, you, need, you need armies to get, to, to get involved in this. Airstrikes do absolutely nothing to them. Yeah, because we, we've been, that's what we're, we've been doing for, for months now. But so mm-hmm. you, well, not you personally, but you, your estimation, Mahmoud, is that at least Jordan would welcome, uh, you know, not per se American troops, but NATO troops on on the ground in, in I guess you're concerned, directly look, concerned yeah, with look, it. But. Look, if you want, the, uh, like the government would welcome that. I think they, yes, they would welcome that. But do the people mm. welcome that? They will, even if they would welcome it, they will never admit it in public. Mm. And as far as uh, getting the Jordanian army involved, that's, that's uh, of the limits right now. Like the Jordanians are not up for that. No. It's strange, though, because, I mean, once once you're looking at the map, I mean, you've got Syria and Iraq in, in big trouble right now. And then, then you have these three countries that are historical enemies of each other, Israel, Saudi Arabia and Iran. And But, they, I mean, they should all have a, a vested interest in trying to keep the Islamic State as small as possible. Uh, but are they are they just waiting for their own sovereign nation to be threatened or are they just fine with Syria and Iraq? No, going under. Uh, uh, no, no. That's basically these three countries have want an unstable Iraq and Syria because an unstable Iraq and Syria is actually beneficial for these three countries. So unless yes, they no. are thre- unless they are threatened directly, they don't really care that much. And well, uh, no, Iran, it, it, it Iran is, has been very is. active in uh, in Iraq. I mean, there, there's a number of um, Shiite militia groups from Iran. Yeah. Currently yeah, they, combating they, ISIS. They are, and that's why they are uh, combating ISIS, because they were able to establish these militias and these Shiite militias. So yeah. they have an agenda where they are actually moving in and slowly taking over the government of Iraq. And that's sure. their, uh, what they need. For, for Israel, Israel is just waiting until ISIS gets to its border. Mm. Uh, for it, an unstable uh, enemy country is better than a stable enemy country. So they, let them fight it. If they reach our border, then we'll react for that. I guess what, what is, is the impression that we have here in France in the, over the past few weeks is that we've reached that, or we're almost at that, that point where it is becoming an issue where it's not just instability or unrest. It, it's to the point where uh, ISIS and the Islamic State is, is become a, a, should be a concern for us. But what you're saying is that we're not there yet. Turkey. It's, uh, is it a threat right now? No. Is it a problem? Yes. Okay. Uh, is it uh, a big headache? Is it is it giving us a little he- some headaches? Is it making some small threats within the countries? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Is it a major threat that we would need to move forward and just Im- demolish it? No. Right now, it's beneficial for Iran. It's beneficial for Israel. It's beneficial for Saudi Arabia that the, that they exist until so, they become a yeah. big threat. Mm-hmm. And it's beneficial even for Turkey. And that's another yeah. major country that's sure, in, infected by this. They are all benefiting from this. Mm. So let me let me ask you then this question to try and summarize in one word whether or not we have a similar view uh, on this. Is it because in here in France there is a whiff of panic, 
And I'm wondering if that word panic applies uh, for the way you guys' countries regard the situation yet, or is it not there yet? For me, I would say yes, it, there is a whiff of panic. Uh, Brecky. Um, to, to a certain extent. I mean, ISIS has been in the news quite a lot here in Sweden of late because um, there's a lot of Swedish people traveling down to Syria uh, to join the fight at the moment. Uh, I think out of the, the Nordic, uh, or at least the Western European countries, um, Sweden has one of the highest in terms of, you know, percentage of population traveling down there. We, we have a large... Uh, you mean to fight in the uh, ISIS army, Yes, right? to fight w yes. with them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and there's even been a lot of talk here from the government um, for how to help people who decide that this maybe wasn't a good idea, how to you know, reintegrate <laughs> them into society and help them to apartments and jobs and so on, which um, I personally might you know, find a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Mahmoud, uh, obviously you have a very large uh, border with Syria, is it? And, and yeah, border Syria, with... Israel and Saudi Arabia yeah. and Iraq. So, so, so panic or not panic yet? Panic, uh, the, يعني, in March, I said Yanni again. Okay. <laughs> it's fine, <laughs> it's second fine. time. I like start it. a count. Start a count for it. Now, uh, back a few months ago, if you remember, there was a Jordanian pilot uh, who was shot down over, uh, over Syria by ISIS and he was executed. They burned him alive. So at that point, at that time, yes, there was panic about uh, from from the public in Jordan about what are we going to do about ISIS and it's they seemed like a real a very real threat because they got a Jordanian citizen and they killed him uh, in front of everybody but now i no, it's, it's not really a direct threat it's not a, uh, a something that is pressing on everybody's mind but uh, i agree with turkey that it's a, it's a problem for the west but i don't agree that it's still a problem i think it's a, a threat to us here in in the region for jordan and syria uh, and saudi arabia because isis is not just in syria and the threat is not just isis there there is uh, isis in syria and iraq and iraq there is you have the shia faction and you have the sunni tribes and uh, in syria itself you have different faction other than isis so i do believe it's a threat and just yesterday the uh, a bombing uh, in a mosque in saudi arabia five or four people were killed before that uh, another bombing on a border uh, checkpoint for the saudi forces people also officers got killed so it's it is a, di a direct threat for the countries around people are getting killed even if it's five or six or seven uh, and these these okay. countries are stable countries they're not used to this so i do think it's a, a threat for us It seems more pressing uh, for Jordan, for sure. Yeah, and 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 uh, just to go back to a point you were talking about uh, uh, about how Israel, Jordan, Iraq, Turkey, and Saudi Arabia and Qatar also is involved in this, and UAE is all involved in this. Historically, the Arab countries, how they handle this situation, uh, uh, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when the, the Palestinian resistance was outside of Palestine, mainly in Jordan, Lebanon, and, and sometimes in Syria. Uh, if you look at the history of, 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 of these uh, Palestinian resistant factions, there were so many factions. Uh, you had Fatah, you had uh, the Democratic Front, and a lot, a lot other. And each faction was supported by a foreign Arab country. Like Syria supported this faction, Iraq supported this faction, Saudi Arabia supported this faction. And I think that's what's happening right now on the ground regarding ISIS and other factions is exactly what's, what was happening back then. Every country is invested in one faction and trying to push it to take over the other factions that are supported by other countries. Mm -hmm.
and the yeah. and the Qatar yeah and the Qatari influence is 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 a big influence in the area right now and it should not be discarded as as an unplayer in this whole, whole mm. this whole mess yeah all right um let's let's move on uh, as always we could spend a lot of time on all of this but let's move on and turn our our gaze back to the amazing turkey uh for his for what has been making the news in his corner of the world <laughs> Well, it's not good news, which is uh, Mohammed just m- mentioned uh, yesterday, uh, a, a so-called ISIS bomber, suicide bomber, had went into a Shiite mosque in the eastern part of Saudi Arabia during Friday prayers and blew himself up. That resulted in 21 dead and 109 injured. And so, this is the biggest news right now. And uh, so it's uh, it's happened yesterday and everybody is uh, up at arms. So, not. so I, I guess it's it might be interesting for some of us that <laughs> it might come as news for some of us that you are also the victims of terrorism. <laughs> We've always been a victim of terrorism. We've had terrorist attacks in Saudi as far as uh, I don't remember. My memory goes as far as 1995 or before even. So we've always had terrorist attacks here on occasions, but this one is a big deal. Uh, it's a sectarian attack. We haven't had that. A lot of those, they, those are very rare. The last one we had a few months ago. And this is a big major one, and it's uh, really making uh, the government nervous. It's uh, the, and and the fact that it's an uh, ISIS claim claiming responsibility is also making people uh, nervous and uh, worried about it. Um, well, I guess we talked about ISIS quite a bit just before, so we will not spend too yeah. much time on it. But I'm curious on to know what sociological effects this has. Uh, you know what what different people think of it, what people say, and when you're saying it's making uh, the government and other people nervous, in what way? Uh, it's uh, it's because it's a sectarian attack. It's it's really making things a little nervous. The Sunnis and Shias have never been very good friends, and uh, they disagree on a lot. And Saudi is no exception, of course, to that. And this attack has brought out. A different point of views and uh, ways of thinking to the surface from the reactions of the major population. Uh, a lot of people have condemned this and are supporting the government and the Shias population and protecting them and uh, supporting them and, and so on. However, there is a very good percentage of people who came online and uh, those who actually uh, said, ah, oh, what did you expect? That's what Shias deserve. There's others who said, yeah, we need to do more of that. Uh, Shias are our enemies. So you have, this is where the government is really nervous. They really don't need a sectarian war being started in Saudi. Uh, they are already having enough problem trying to control the sectarian uh, uh, problem with their war in Yemen. And they really don't need it to be part of uh, local domestic problems. Mm, okay. Um, very quickly around the table, um, the virtual thousands of kilometers spanning table. Um, I don't think it, it wasn't uh, mentioned. It didn't become a big deal. Maybe it's too early, but it didn't make front page news in France. I'm curious. What about Sweden? Did it? No, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, 
well, oh. Jordan slash. Uh, UAE. Yeah, it definitely made in the news here. It's, it's a big deal over here. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I was surprised uh, when I saw the the news. I thought it it uh, it's the Houthis, not not ISIS. That's what I thought at first until I read the news uh, itself and it said ISIS. Mm. So it came from nowhere. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Houthis uh, and uh, the, which is the Houthis are the, the Yemeni group that the Saudi government is fighting, and the Houthis would not have uh, enough uh, power to extend all the way to the eastern province. So nobody expected yeah. them, but uh, uh, people did expect it to be some extremists. It's just that they are ISIS extremists. That's where things are worried, and the government of Saudi Arabia actually. I think it was less than a month ago, uh, arrested 65 suspects who are part of ISIS in Saudi who are planning to do some bombings. So that's also another thing that's making the government uh, nervous because they, they should have caught them all. And apparently there were still some of them out there. Yeah, it's... Um it's yeah all right it's, Let, it's, let's it's, move it's, on. it's 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 really sad seriously mm. i really and i've said this before i don't understand how any human being would have this mentality of attacking and blowing up people let alone people who are praying in a mosque or in a church or in a synagogue or any house of worship people who are just there to pray that you would go in and blow yourself up and kill so many of them I'll let that linger as we move on to the other topic that Mahmoud is going to bring for us. Yeah, well, in Jordan, about a week ago, uh, there was a major shift in the security scene. Uh, the, minister, the Minister of Interior resigned. Uh, well, he, they say resigned, but he was, you know, uh, told, yeah, told to resign. And the director of the public security department also was sacked, and the director of the gendarme over, over there also resigned, uh, or sacked, actually. Uh, and this came as a surprise to everybody. It made all the headlines everywhere in every newspaper and uh, all the news bulletins. And the, the reason they gave uh, that there was a lack of cooperation between these three departments regarding interior security. And... Uh, People are a bit hesitant to believe this. Like we all, you know, the lack of secu- uh, third time, third time, <laughs> third time, said, third yeah, time, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, people always know that there is a lack of cooperation. Well, any, any government over here, government operations is well known for its bureaucracy and uh, corruption sometimes. But uh, you know, this came out of let's say, out, as they say, out of the left field. Nobody expected this, mm. and then. The big news for me is the new uh, Ministry of Interior, which is a, a new old one, because back in, uh, in mid-90s, he was uh, also the Secretary of uh, Interior for uh, two terms, if I remember correctly. And he wasn't well known for his, uh, let's say, soft uh, touch with the people. Um, and at his time, uh, the intelligence agency had... Uh, uh, more power than ever, and the freedom of the press was at at at, uh, at its lowest point. And at that time, also the peace treaty between Jordan and Israel was signed. So, and he's now uh, 79. So people are really, really afraid of why is he back? There's something. Is there something that's going to happen more than like a decrease in freedoms than already is, or 
they just don't know. We have to wait and see. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit more about the context for all of this? Meaning how how much freedom? Uh, how and I'm sorry for putting it this way, but I'm trying to put it in terms that everyone, everyone including myself, would understand. Yeah. How Western is Jordan? Well, in the sense the, of you know freedom of the press, freedom of expression. Uh, and, 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 okay, if we're talking about public freedoms, like uh, freedom, uh, freedoms to to organize and rally and demonstrate, and freedom of press, it's it's not that free. Uh, it's still it's definitely in in, in a, still in a third world category. But back in in the early 90s, when martial law was lifted and democracy officially started in Jordan, uh, up till 94. There was a huge boom in, let's say, freedom of, of the press and media and uh, comedians, and, and and it's very, it was very similar to what would what would you see in the West. Like they made fun of the king and other Arab leaders and world leaders freely and openly, and even the king used to go and attend these events. That lasted for about four years, up uh, mm. up until the peace treaty with Israel was signed, and this guy was the the minister of interior affairs. So. It, it was very short-lived. Now it's just typical Arab world, typical third world country freedom, if you will. Okay. And so the fact that this guy is coming back is people are afraid it will go even farther in restricting freedoms or? Uh, sorry, I didn't. The, 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 the uh, security uh, official coming back uh, is getting people afraid that they will, you yeah, know, things that will... We will see uh, um, uh, a more decline in, 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 in the already low freedom tolerance of the government. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, it's very weird to think that it's kind of a weird dichotomy where I will think, well, you're, you're, are you fighting for it, or are, are you for it, or are you not for it, or what's happening? Are, are well, you, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's weird to... You as, a, as the Jordanians, or you as me, Mahmoud? No, you as Jordania as a country. Yeah, Jordan no, as a country. Yeah, Jordan, I uh, know. I don't think, like, Jordan, uh, will, Jordanians will not voice a, a harsh opinion. They will not go to, out to the streets. To, mm. to, to say we, we we're not happy with this guy. They, they're going to stay silent and he will be the next minister of interior for whatever time he uh, the king chooses for, for him to stay in that position. Uh, but people talk, uh, journalists write, so uh, whether it's for it or against it, people still voice their opinion, but it's not going to be heard and they don't expect it to be heard. Okay. Uh, just out of interest, uh, the United Nations Development Program puts out a yearly report called the Human Development Report, which is basically um, they're analyzing things like press freedoms and so on in various countries. And uh, Jordan is in the uh, 77th place on that list, uh, mm -hmm. following uh, Iran and Azerbaijan, but coming ahead of Serbia, Brazil and Georgia. Yeah. Hmm. Norway is a number one. <laughs> you had to sneak it in there, didn't you? Yeah. Well, Sweden is 12, so I, I had to say another Scandinavian country. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else? France Mahmoud? is 20, by the way. Oh, that's... Oh, well. You know, still in the top 50, which is good. Yeah, but, but yeah. this is this is before the the what, the what Internet, Internet Security Act. That, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. mass surveillance thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is before that. So yeah, this yeah. is uh, last, uh, last year. So yeah. the yeah, next uh, Human Development Index is coming out uh, this fall. 
All right, we'll we'll be we'll be following this very closely. I think our uh, <laughs> our ranking might change a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, Mahmoud. Anything well, else? I, ha- I have one more story from yeah, local from UAE, which I found very interesting regarding the development today that happened. Uh, basically, the story is uh, a few months ago, or maybe a year. I'm not sure. Uh, five uh, Qatari nationals, intelligence officers, uh, were uh, were caught and imprisoned. Uh, one one or two actually were caught and imprisoned. The others uh, remain at large. Uh, and they faced a trial for in, for organizing uh, um, a social media campaign to insult and defame the leaders of UAE. Uh, and uh, yesterday or the day before, the court ruled uh, life or uh, life sentences for four of yes. them and ten year sentence for one of them, which uh, the one in the, in detention got ten years and the people at large got uh, life in prison. Uh, that was very interesting when it came out. But today, uh, the news headlines, all the news headlines said that um, uh, basically the president of UAE, uh, Sheikh Khalifa, has uh, pardoned uh, two of them, uh, including oh. the one that is in custody and he's free to go home, uh, which is just came out of nowhere. Like these people were sentenced by the, the security court, uh, which is a military court. Uh, life sentences, 10 years for this guy, and today the sheikh just pardoned them, free to go. So, so why? Him. What happened? Uh, well, uh, they say it's because they want to keep uh, the brotherhood ties with Qatar, because Qatar is, is another Gulf country, and back in the day, in the 60s and 70s, when the UAE was formed, they were offered to be part of the UAE, but they, they, refru- they refused along with Bahrain. Uh, so in this sense that we are going to keep good relations with our brothers in Qatar, they're free to go. That's it. Okay. So it was very interesting to see that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so isn't that, so then in that case, how do people react to it? Is it like, oh, well, you know, he can do whatever he wants, fine. Well, or is I, it like, I, oh, but the law is the law. They decided that. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, today is holiday, so I'm at home all day. I haven't talked to okay. anybody. So I, this came out today, the, this this part of the news. But uh, what if, what have, from what I have seen on the comments on the websites, the news websites, that people are just glad they're praising the president for, for this uh, act of compassion. And uh, they seem to be happy about it. Okay, so... Yeah. So it's not like everyone was thinking, ah, oh, but you know they were insulting the authorities, and so they should get what's no. going to them. It was no, they uh, Patrick. But, uh, Patrick, you're talking about a country where there's a law that says if you insult or attack any government or uh, a member or, or the member of the family, you can go to jail. Seriously, yeah. who's going to criticize anything? Yeah, but, but the interesting no, thing. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing, uh, thing about this, is that they, these people are intelligence officers from a foreign country, mm. so it's not like regular people. They're not journalists. They're not anybody. They're they're intelligence officers. And right. a few months ago, uh, the, the the ties that that you know, the, the relationship between Qatar and fourth, the rest of yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> I, I even did, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, uh, the tension got so high between Qatar and the Gulf uh, countries, Saudi Arabia and UAE, and I think Bahrain, they pulled out, and these countries pulled out their uh, ambassadors to Qatar. Mm. And a few weeks later, everybody got back together uh, and, you know, uh, for everything forgotten. And what I find interesting about this is that they waited until the sentence to pardon them. They didn't right. just 
like kill the news before it started. No, they waited for the sentence to be issued and then they overpart him. So it was probably trying to make a point at, yeah. at as much exactly. of a point as you, you exactly. could have. And, yes. yeah. mm. and, and I'm guessing there are economic interests there. Um, there always are. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, uh, Qatar mm. is maybe the richest country in the world, but exactly. UAE is well off. They don't need... Yeah. <laughs> I guess. All right. Um, okay. Thanks very much. And we will uh, close this uh, roundtable with Brecky and more uh, depressing news. Or, yeah. I guess. Um, well, we're basically moving from uh, one part of the world to another. Um, ever since Russia moved into uh, Georgia many years ago, um, there's been um, some expansionist movement from Russia. Let's just say expansionist. To, to use a friendly word. Um, and uh, we're starting to notice it here in Sweden now. Um, we're regularly getting flyovers or, um, you know, submarines coming very close to our borders and so on. It's like the Russians are, you know, just testing the borders in the Baltic Sea. Um, we're, we're lucky that we don't share a border with them. But, you know, we, we only have Finland or Estonia or Latvia or Lithuania in between us and, uh, and Russia. Uh, we're not a NATO country like Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania are. And um, if you look at, for example, the uh, if you look at the map of the Baltic Sea, you're going to find this really weird place in between Lithuania and Poland called Kaliningrad, which right. is uh, Russia, but it's not part of mainland Russia. It's this tiny little uh, oblast uh, out in the Baltic Sea, and um, they're within missile radius of Sweden. You know, very comfortable missile radius even. So when Russia starts sending airplanes, bomber airplanes, to fly over Sweden, we naturally get a little bit worried here. Um, ever since the 80s, there's always been the, you know, look out, the Russians are coming. Mm. Um, there's always been that small little fear here. Um, so what's been happening now recently is we've started, you know, not fighting them, but, you know, we're sending up our own jets to chase them off, uh, to show that, you know, you're, you're uh, encroaching on our borders. And uh, this is something that happened just um, earlier this past week. Uh, two Russian bombers were very uncomfortably close to our natural borders. And uh, we sent up two uh, Yos-39 Gripen, uh, our fighter planes, made in and by Sweden, um, to, to basically chase them off. And this seems to be having no diplomatic uh, effects yet. Nobody's talking about this in terms of, you know, foreign policy or anything. It's just, oh yeah, the Russians are a bit close, let's chase them off again. And um, yeah, I'm a bit worried to see what happens next because I don't think, you know, because Russia invaded Georgia uh, back in the days, 2008. Uh, and then the, they signed a peace treaty and said, all right, all right, we're going to leave Georgia. And then they went back in. And the rest of the world is all like, oh, Russia, you shouldn't do that. But we're, <laughs> we're not going to do anything because you're too big and powerful right now. Uh, and then they're doing this in, uh, in Ukraine now, in the, the Crimea and um, the entire world is going, oh, Russia, you shouldn't do that kind of thing. Shame on you. Um, well, I think that they're, it's being a little bit more uncomfortable this time with, with the Ukraine. But, oh, um, absolutely. Mm. Yes, much, much more. Because, I mean, Ukraine has, you know, European-type um, relationships, while Georgia is just this tiny little country next to Armenia. Who cares about mm. Georgia? Uh, at <laughs> least here in the Western world. Nobody knows where Georgia is even. Most people could still point to Ukraine on a map. But if you ask them to point to Georgia, they're just as likely to point at Turkey or, or Turkmenistan. They, they, you know, Georgia doesn't really figure yeah. into Why would they news. point at me? Why would they point at me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you, you're a big guy. 
<laughs> I didn't. I didn't even catch that one. Well done. It, it's funny, you know. It's um, it's something that obviously um, because my wife's care, my wife cares about uh, the news from Finland and and uh, the ne- the rest of the Nordic countries uh, more than I would naturally. She in the past couple of months, I would say, she's mentioned at least a couple of times the fact that. Uh, either, you know, Finland or Sweden was trying to find a Russian submarine yep. that was somewhere in the, you know, the, the, the Gulf or the, the archipelago. Yeah, Helsinki. yeah, in the, uh, the Baltic Sea and thereabouts, because I mean, they, they come out of St. Petersburg, obviously, which is uh, just in that tiny little strait between Finland and Estonia. Right. Uh, so once they leave, you know, they, they pass by Finland and Estonia and then they're just right next to Stockholm. Mm. And they're, and they're, you know, they were looking for them for several days. And obviously, if for anyone who's seen the hunt for Red October knows that a submarine can be very difficult to find. Right. And uh, there were stories about, I'm guessing, the, the uh, Swedish army and then the uh, fin- Finnish army trying to find that submarine to just at- even try to confirm that it was even there, right? Yeah. And um, and so it's funny that we never hear about any of this in in our countries. At least, and I haven't heard anything about this in uh, in France. But it is uh, it's it's always as always with Russia. The question is. What are you playing at? What are mm. you doing? We just don't understand what your end game is. And I, I think I do understand it, though. Mm. Uh, I think I do understand. They're they're continuously just pushing the border a little bit to see when the world's reaction is going to go. Okay, Russia, now you've gone too far. I mean, can they move into Estonia? Can they move into Latvia? Will people care? What happens if they all of a sudden go to Minsk and say, oh yeah, Belarus, you used to be ours. You want to be ours again? I mean, there's already so many Russians here in Belarus. You might as well be ours. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, it's the Crimean strategy again. Right. I think that's the, the uh, effect. I, I think what we don't understand is why. Because there is, uh, you know, it's not just that Putin is thinking, oh, we're just going to get some more, some more territory just for fun. And we're going to, there is a national motivation or Russian, uh, uh, you know, cultural heritage why are you, or why are you economically. Denying them their fun, Patrick? Yeah, well, I, I'm <laughs> not denying, denying anything. I, they, can, they can do whatever they want. I'm just trying <laughs> to understand why they're, and, and it comes back to that idea that if you don't understand it, if you're completely unfamiliar with the cultural context and historical context and, and all of this, it's very difficult to understand. Because honestly, when you look at it like that, like we're looking at it now, meaning, you know, they're sending bombers over, you know, very closely to flirt with the, the border of Sweden, and they're sending submarines in the archipelago in Helsinki, and they're doing this and that. Nothing wrong with it is, flirtation. It is, it is, it just sounds, uh, it sounds not insane, but it sounds provocative and just for the sake of being evil. It sounds evil. It's like Putin <laughs> is trying to see how far he can go for, to see how 
many other countries he can invade. And that's the image you get for, you know, it's like the evil dictator rubbing his hands and going like, now I'm going to send a submarine there just, and see. And if the they Cold don't War. react. Come on, it's just the Cold War coming back. I, I'm not, I'm not, and that's the easy explanation. Maybe that's it, but I'm not sure that's, that's no, it, I'm not sure that's It's a more complicated it, right? than that. Um, we we used to make jokes and play around and say that the uh, when when the United States went to Iraq, it was all about the oil, um, which you know to a certain extent was maybe a little bit true. Uh, but here, I think it's a lot about the oil. To be honest, um, the the Russian financial system is in the gutter right now. Right, they they are having so much problems. Their their inflation is up. Their um, interest rates are up. I mean, the interest rates were up to seventeen uh, or eighteen just a few weeks ago. Here in Sweden, our interest is negative. That's that's <laughs> you know that's the kind of difference we're talking about. Uh, we're actually at negative zero point twenty five percent here in Sweden. It's crazy. Um, but mm. so their their financial system is is in the dumps. And what do you do when you want to distract people? From, from bad finances in a country, you go to war. You know that, that, that yeah, that's that's the explanation that everyone is. Uh, but but the problem is that is not doing. I mean, some people are saying that it's doing this to distract distract everyone from the horrendous uh, economic situation until they fix it, uh, and you know they need a couple of years to 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 do something about it. But things started before that. I mean. I, I do think maybe that's it. Maybe, again, that is kind of a easily packageable explanation. I'm not sure there isn't something... Even that seems a little bit weird to me. I'm not sure, sure. there isn't something else going on that is... You know, I when I, I went to live in Japan... Living in Japan and learning about the Japanese culture and history and all of this gave me a different outlook on what it means to be Japanese and the way they think and the way they see the world. And even though you can understand uh, a lot of the Japanese history through a Western lens, I'm I'm wondering if, you know, it, it changes your view on it when you learn about it more. And I'm wondering if Russia isn't one of those weird places where to really understand what's happening you you need to it's it's more different than we think it is it's more different from from you know the west than we think it is there is something uh uh inherently inherently different about the way russians view not just the world not just themselves view everything so i don't i'm not being clear but i think there's something there. Sure, absolutely. I, I do understand what you mean. I've, I've also spent a long time in Japan and I've, I've spent enough time in the Middle East and Africa to realize that, you know, you, you don't understand these countries just by reading a book and some news about them. If, if right. you've stayed for, you know, at least a week in a country, you start realizing that, yeah, there, there's more to this country than I've ever been able to just read about or, you know, learn about that way. You, right, you need right. to spend some time there. Mm. Um, and Russia is definitely no exception. Um, you, but still, I mean, over time... You start noticing trends in, in a country's uh, foreign policy and their behavior towards other countries. And, and Russia has this, or at least has had for the past eight years or so, this, this weird tendency to, to try to push their borders, and not just the country's borders, but you know the, the borders of what is acceptable, um, a little bit too far. And then move back just a little bit when the, when the official reaction becomes too strong. 
And, you know, even though they might have taken seven steps forward, they only take two steps back when right. people start saying, shame on you, Russia. Mm. Um, so they, they do make, you know, a, a five-step gain. Mm. And um, I don't know what needs to happen for them to stop doing this. And that's the thing. That's um, a big question, isn't it? Because there, there's lots of uh, policy, um, both in Sweden and Finland at the moment, for those countries to join NATO. Because yeah. we need a stronger NATO border against Finland. Uh, right now, uh, sorry, against Russia. Finland is right now the, the, the weak link here because it's the, the only NATO country bordering Russia in that way or on that side of things. And I can tell you that uh, the, 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 there is a huge debate happening in Finland right now yeah. on whether or not Finland should join NATO because obviously there is a sort of comforting comforting idea that if you join NATO then you're you're free of the threat of Russia because of course they're never going to attack NATO but then <laughs> of it's not, no. kind of the it's kind of the, the there is an, a whole other bunch of people saying you know what we really should not poke the drunk bear mm. let's just joining NATO is just trying to piss them off and Isn't we've always managed to manage russia it, there is no reason why this should change we just show them that we're okay we're ready to know be firm if there's an issue but we're not antagonistic and th so this these two factions are fighting it out right now mahmoud you were gonna say something? yeah i, I was uh, wondering isn't ukraine part of the nato or not ah you're you're stumping me Quick, someone. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Ukraine I, has I relations think... with NATO. Yeah. They, they, they've applied uh, all the way oh. since back in 2008. And, uh, that's... and um, they're, they're considered to be NATO friendly, but not a member of NATO. Oh. And, and yeah. because obviously if, if they were, uh, there yeah. would be a duty, a duty for NATO to intervene. Um, yeah. But I there, think... There, sorry, um, just a quick uh, addition there. Um, yeah. There was a poll uh, in October of 2014, not an official government poll or anything, but just a poll among the people. And uh, more than half the population of Ukraine wants to join NATO at the moment. Which is exactly uh, where I was going. Yeah. And it, it, there are, uh, you know, there's a, a, a strong possibility that this might have been what uh, uh, motivated uh, Putin and Russia to... Uh, push those boundaries to Ukraine because the way, Ukraine was going to try and ally itself very clearly and very strongly with the West, with NATO. Um, and, so, and Russia obviously doesn't like that at all. So it comes back to the idea that is it a good idea for Finland to try and get with NATO? There are a few uh, uh, bordering countries in, uh, you know, for Russia that are part of NATO. But of course, those joined um, when Russia was, you know, in the, in the 90s or maybe even early 2000s, when Russia was in disarray and couldn't do everything about it. Of course, It's now they're part of it. But. Basically, every European country uh, except Belarus and Ukraine uh, that border Russia are members of NATO. Uh, okay, fin Finland, Belarus and Ukraine are the exceptions at the moment. So you right. got, you know, Estonia Latvia and, and Estonia, and so yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly, uh, but they joined when when Russia was completely unable to do anything about anything. So sure. um, that was the right time. If Finland had joined at that point, I think it would have been fine. But uh, mm. I mean, Ukraine wanted to join earlier, but Viktor Yanukovych um, he mm. basically um, shelved the idea. He said that no, 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 we're we're going to be non-aligned um, because he knows how things work with Russia. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, it's it's a very interesting debate to have. Um, and I will be able to report on uh, the state of Russia very soon because I'm leaving for St. Petersburg um, next uh, week. I think it's going to be super fun. St. Petersburg is a city that is obviously uh, super interesting and culturally incredibly rich. And mm. uh, it's going to be super cool to to finally visit it. I didn't love my time in Moscow. I, I went there twice very briefly. But I think I'm going to really appreciate St. Petersburg. It's a very um, nice place, yeah. Yeah. Um, how j Just to round up the discussion uh, for the two very uh, far away uh, Middle Easterners, how foreign this discussion sounds to you or not foreign at all um uh, we got we got our own worries here patrick <laughs> you got what sorry we got our own worries here <laughs> right you so, europeans but, can fight it <laughs> but you know it's funny russia is no more european i mean the large majority of russia maybe not the most uh, uh habited inhabited places but it's very much uh uh an Eastern and Asian country. Yeah. Okay, But, you yeah. you Asians and Europeans can fight it all. <laughs> all right, leave sure, leave yeah. us our, our us Arabs. We can fight together. Yeah, okay. because I mean, Russia would have to go through Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, uh, Turkey, and uh, the country that is, and Iran. If you know, if they even want to get close to the Middle East. Sure. Yeah. But so so I guess just to confirm, it's not being discussed at all. Russia's. Uh, as it doesn't relate to issues of oil, it's not being discussed, right? It's not not, not everything about the goddamn oil, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I really hate. You know, like, okay, fair uh, enough. Like, look, I live in Dubai, and Dubai mm. has no oil. Yeah, no oil. You know, the the the, the, the whole the, all of their wealth comes from um, from tourism, uh, finance, and and import and exports. That, that that's the fortune of Dubai. It has nothing to do with oil, at least in Dubai. But even like the Russian situation, it doesn't matter here. Not really. Okay. All right. uh, well, it does matter for the UAE because they're losing a lot of uh, the Russian tourists who are buying yeah. all the stuff. <laughs> so their sales, the sales are, are are lower this year than they usually well, the, are. The, the Chinese are taking over. The Chinese are taking over. Yeah, <laughs> they're taking over everywhere. They yeah, have. There's a lot of Chinese people. Mm. So, so do you have uh, uh, luxury store clerks uh, mainly be, being Chinese people now? Because in France, that's definitely the case. There are tons and tons of store clerks that are Chinese and that often don't speak French very well. If you go to the um, big department stores, uh, you're going to have in the very expensive luxury um, uh, stores, many of them are going to be Chinese clerks. So. I, I just bought a car uh, two weeks ago, and the uh, lady who sold it to me from the uh, the car company was Chinese. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right. So confirmed. China, <laughs> China is everywhere. I guess yeah. we didn't need we didn't need this confirmation to make sure. China's <laughs> been been very impressive in that way. However, I mean, they're they're slowly moving into so many places in the world, and they're doing it in a completely different way. I mean, back in the days when Europe went to to Africa. It used to be like, hi, we're going to teach you about Christianity and we're going to teach you about the right way to do business and we're going to take all of your stuff, basically. That was the European way. Uh, now China's going there and saying, hi, we got money, we've got stuff. What do you have? We can build things. You want something <laughs> exactly. built? Yeah. We can build it. Yeah, yeah it's basically, we, we're, going, we're not going to take your stuff, it's we're going to build your stuff. And yep. uh, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, they're, I, they're going there and saying, hi, we we are Huawei. We want to give you all of these telephony switches and we're going to leave 10 people here to maintain them for you. Yeah, it's I mean, the, the, the entire case of China, I would love to have someone from China on the show, like from mainland China to talk about uh, all of this. And that could also be a very interesting uh, special episode. <clears throat> um, I mean, the, the when you talk about the way things are in the different country, the fact that there are, you know, what is it, a, a billion and a half people in the country now, just that fact makes it the, the scale of everything is completely different from what we are used to. I mean, if you think of a large country like the U.S., or it's Iceland. a small portion. No, but I mean in population. Yeah, I know, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small portion of the kind of issues that, uh, on top of, you know, the development issues and many others, but a small portion of the, the issues that China, China has as a country, as a government, as everything. So... That would also be a very interesting topic to discuss. But alas, we <laughs> have come to the end of this show. Um, I think we've covered a, a good amount of, uh, of topics. It was pretty cool. And we are going to, um, to, to, to leave one another with parting thoughts of where people can find us on the internet if they want to hear more. And uh, let's start with the very prolific Brecky Thomasson. Sure. Um, you'll find all of my stuff on uh, Psycon.net. That's C-S-I-C-O-N.net. It's the podcasting network that I launched in 2011 and is the home of all of my shows and uh, what I think seven or eight other shows that I'm not even on. Um, if I could just recommend one of them, I would recommend Geek Days. It's, it's a daily tech news show, tech and entertainment and gaming, basically. Um, every morning, um, and I say morning European time, so it's in the middle of the night in America and early afternoon in Asia. Um, but we uh, every every morning we release a, a ten to fifteen minute show about just the latest news and a couple of opinions on those news. So Geek Days, look at where uh, look it up where podcasts are sold. Excellent Geek Days, it is. Uh, and just just to confirm, um, your so your full name is Brecky Thomason. Yes. Is your dad's name Thomas, and that's why it's Thomason? Yes, it was. Yes. So and his surname was uh, Svensson because his father's name was Sven. How does that even work? Very well, it's thank crazy. you. crazy. <laughs> it's insane. How do you find people? I guess you have the app to know if they're... Well, they're yeah, they're well, there, there's the app. But also you find people by saying, are you Thomas uh, Svensson? Yeah, yeah, I am. So your father was Sven? Uh, which Sven was he? He was uh, Sven uh, Paulson. Oh, okay. Yeah, that guy. He was uh, <laughs> Paul uh, Nielsen's son, wasn't he? Yes, he was. It's, 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 Iceland is small enough that this becomes that, that, uh, that quite works, simple. Right? Yeah, you're only dealing with 300,000 people. <laughs> That uh, is you guys are just making me here smile like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you should visit the Middle East. Seriously, guys. Oh, everybody knows everybody knows everybody and they're all linked in what to through you families. Know, Even with 20 million Saudis, they all know each other and they're yeah. linked in one way or another through the family. Well, so, I spent a week in Saudi. It was great. I, and so I don't know. I, I'm I'm sure I've mentioned it at least once, but uh, you know, I was born in Lebanon, right, Turkey? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we know that. And um, <laughs> and my so it's funny because my dad uh, has exactly that kind of conversation with everyone that he meets that is from Lebanon. It's basically like, oh, you're you're this guy from that 
place <laughs> and you oh your brother was from here and yep. he's uh, and of course and it's like oh yes i went to school with his cousin and yeah it's it's very funny it happens it's like you know it's it's there is a diaspora of of uh, lebanese people all over the world it's how does it work that every single one of them is somehow linked to some member of your family it's very funny. oh come on patrick you should see when i got married I didn't know uh, Manal's at all, her family, never met them, never met her before. Yeah. And only to find out that we actually almost met face to face and we're connected through different, at really? least four. Your wife, four, you mean? Yeah, four <laughs> ways. Her cousin turned out to be engaged to, to my cousin. <laughs> they turned out, her family turned out to be na- former neighbors to my aunt my mom's sister <laughs> it's weird it's just i don't understand how her, that works her, her brother turned out to be classmates to my uh, cousins that and, is pretty cool and, and this is a five million population city <laughs> it, you it's know a it's a small an, world yeah it, it's another one of those mysteries of how does all of this work it's like you know the the naming system in iceland it's just we don't understand it we just accept it well, you, you know, i mean you know, it's, it's, six, it's six degrees of connection thing yeah. they have i think in saudi it's only three degrees and you'll find <laughs> <laughs> The, the Icelandic naming system is not really all that strange. I mean, in, in the Arab world, you have the uh, the Nasab, the... Abu, um, Abu something. Yeah, Ibn something. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, lineage, basically, lineage, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it, it might be the, the father's name, or in some cases, the name of uh, a remote ancestor, like uh, Ibn Khaldun or something. Mm. Well, in, in uh, it, maybe it's a different pronunciation, or, or but Abu something is, is the father, father. of... Father, right. father, father. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, and Hebrew always also has the uh, Ben something, right? Right, yeah, that's true. Hmm. All right, uh, so Brecky is Psycon Network with Geek Days Turkey. Where are you these days? Well, you can find me on Twitter when I'm posting there, and my ID is at Turkey Alvella, that's T U R K I A L B A L L A. Thank you. Mahmoud, what about you? I'm also on Twitter uh, at Sunzu83. That's S-U-N-Z-O-8-3. So is it, where is, does it come from? Is it, it's not Sunzu, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's been a, like an online nickname for ages. Oh, okay. like, like everywhere I use it. So okay. it's, it comes from Sunzu, you know, the art right. of war. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, that's what without I Without the T-S-O, it's a Z-O. Oh, that's what I thought. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you very much to all three of you. I think it was a, a really cool conversation. Um, for me, it's Patrick. Uh, no, it's not Patrick. So complicated <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> not Patrick on Twitter. You can find this show on uh, frenchspin.com. You can also find it. Um, you can also find another show about video games called Pixels, and uh, you can support the show on Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash um, the Phileas Club, I believe. Yes, I always forget whether it's the Phileas Club or Phileas Club, but it is the 
Phileas Club. Um, all, over 100 people, almost 150 people support the show. And uh, I am incredibly thankful uh, for that uh, support. If you think the show is cool, if you think it brings something to your day or to your um, month, uh, then you can go there and support it. I would very much appreciate it. We have a milestone at 500 bucks per episode where we would do specials, um, maybe once a trimester more or less uh, with conversations with one person to delve into one topic and um, or, or to try and learn a little bit more about their uh, environment and culture. I, I have a few ideas about what we could do and uh, we'll see if that happens but we're uh, not quite there yet but we're the, 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 the amount is rising every month so uh, if you think that could be a cool idea please think about uh, consider going to patreon.com slash the Phillies Club and contributing to this show as well. I'm sure you, you dear listener, already contribute to a bunch and uh, we are th very thankful for all of your patronage. Next month, I'm not 100% sure there's going to be a show. Um, as I mentioned, I'm going to be uh, traveling to Russia next week and then I'm going to be spending a bunch of time in Finland uh, hoping and praying that the Russian subs and... Um, and bombers don't suddenly get uh, crazy ideas. Uh, but I'm going to be in the Finnish countryside with a very good internet connection. So my shows should keep coming. But at the end of the month, I was thinking about maybe taking a couple of weeks of full, complete uh, vacation. And I'm not sure there's going to be a show. Maybe I'll do something alone a shorter show i don't know we'll see but uh if that doesn't happen we'll be of course back after that in july um uh, that's it for this show thank you so much again to brekkie turkey and mahmoud and to all of you listening and contributing and supporting the show and uh, we will be back for the next episode either in june or in july thanks a lot talk to you then bye Um, I am going to run and edit the show as I always do because uh, I have to finish all of this before the uh, Eurovision Song Contest uh, yep. final starts. <laughs> sure, God, big that stuff. horrible thing. Do you actually watch it? Yes. Everybody does. Wow. Everybody wow. does, of course. It's so horrible, man. It, no, it's fun. You know, that's the thing. I think it was done seriously at the very beginning, but now it's just people make fun of it and it's fun to be all together and to make fun of it. Oh, so you, it's like a comedy show. You watch it for the comedy. I, I don't. I think only a very tiny fraction of the people watching it take it seriously. Mm. It's it's just you know who will have the craziest hair and who will have the most uh, the craziest you know, beard. It, yeah, yeah. For example, <laughs> or you know, using the wind machine, uh, or and and it's funny to see all the countries like going nuts for their own uh, uh, contestant. And uh, no, it's 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 not. I don't think anyone watches it seriously. Um, but the, for some reason, the Scandinavians love it to bits. Yeah. And um, but it's it's not serious there either, right, Brecky? No, I, I wouldn't say serious at all. Um, I mean, every every Scandinavian country wants their own person to win, of course. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's more the spectacle, more the fun. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's the uh, it's the same. Well, here 
not a huge amount of people watch it, but those who do, that's that's how they watch it. So, sure. and we're gonna yeah. do that with friends that are coming over for a uh, for a uh, Eurovision Song Contest party. So oh, good fun. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of drunk people. Uh, well, for more, I don't drink, so I'm not gonna be drunk. But the others might. <laughs>